welcome back to the Stick 'em Up podcast. Brundy, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. I think uh, I think our original plan, you know, this is one's kind of coming out. This episode's a little bit later than uh, the last one we did. I think we were planning on recording a couple of days ago, but you know, we went to that wrestling show, and I think our voices were a little, uh, little. Uh, they weren't right for for recording one afterwards. Yeah, my my voice was absolutely shot after that show. How how was it the next day? Because mine was mine was not good the the following day. Uh, my voice it was a bit sore, but like it didn't really sound too much different. Oh, okay. which I was surprised I was, by, honestly. I was gonna say mine mine was mine was a fair bit raspy the the following day. Well worth it though. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestling show. Oh yeah, that was that was great. Good to see wrestling back in the in the dome here. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been been far too long. All right. So first we got uh what do we want to start with? We're starting with the Alex DeBrinkett trade. Yeah, we yeah, we haven't uh, gotten around to covering that yet and that's probably since the last time we sat down here it's the most most notable news I would say that that has come out in the NHL. Well, maybe not, maybe not most notable, but uh, de- definitely up well, there. most Im- most impactful uh, yeah. on ice. Yeah, news. There, there we go. Yeah, but uh, for those who haven't heard, uh, it was traded from the Sens to the Red Wings in exchange for uh, Dominic Kubalik, a defensive prospect, Donovan Sobrango. A conditional first, uh, first round pick next year, and a fourth round pick next year, and then also yeah. uh, the Red Wings signed Debrinket right away to a four year, seven point eight seven five million average contract. Yeah, so you didn't even get, didn't even hit eight mil. Wow. Yeah, you'd. Uh, I definitely think he was looking to get more than that. But I think he was much yeah. more willing to take the discount in in his home state of Michigan there than in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, and I think from more so for him, that's kind of what it came down to was it really wasn't as much about the money. It was more so he just wanted to to go back home. This was the perfect um, you know time and opportunity in, in his career to you know go to Detroit like he wanted and so he kind of had to cash in on this moment now and it it resulted in him taking you know a bit of a pay cut but I mean when you're you know back home with friends and family you know a a million dollars or half a million a year doesn't compare to that I don't think yeah once you're when your contract that you're settling for is 31.5 million dollars over four years uh, it's hard to complain about losing out on a couple million so that you could be around your family and also probably i don't know if he's gone on record saying it but i imagine he grew up cheering for the red wings i mean i i don't know i haven't seen seen anything saying that but i would assume he most likely did you know if he grew up uh you know in the the state of michigan and whatnot and wants to go there you got to assume he's you know yeah grew up a red wings fan yeah uh, so uh, I believe you had you had something kind I mean, of pertaining I mean, to this, or well, to I mean, build off. Yeah, yeah. Before going into that, I just what, what kind of what are your initial thoughts on 
on the trade for both sides? I think I think it's a, a bit of a gamble for the Red Wings, uh, mostly because, uh, as far as I know, Dominic Kubalik has been pretty solid for them. He, yeah, uh, he, he he was a good middle middle six forward, I would say. Yeah, I think he's kind of middle six, kind of creeping into that top six area. I don't know if he'll get to the point where he could be consistently like a top line guy, but certainly a good guy to have at least on your second line. Yeah, and I think he'll slot in um, in quite well um, into Ottawa's. I would assume he probably fits in um, on their second line. Maybe he's, you know, third line or get some power play time. Um, I think he'll be a, a good fit for him, though. But I think it, it was... Um, I almost kind of compare it and look back to the Matthew Kachuk trade last year. In, like, Debrinkit's not on the level of Kachuk, but just that I think it's a pretty... It's a good return for the Senators, given that, again, kind of like Calgary, they were kind of in a in a strong arm um, situation by the player, you know, it was very yeah, clear. They were definitely handcuffed. Wanted to go to Detroit. And so that was Ottawa's only option to trade him to Detroit. And they ended up getting, a, I think a good package back considering they had no choice basically, but to trade him there. So I, I think yes. it's, you know, that, that uh, defensive prospect probably, you know, unless he, um, you know, puts together a strong season or something next year. I don't see him being, you know, an impact player or anything. Um, for the Senators, maybe, you know, a third pair guy in the future or something. Um, I think Kubelik could do well, you know, given the talent that the Senators do have, I think he could be a very good player and fit in well there. And then a first-round pick is, is always um, solid. You know, it can be used either to draft a good player in the first round or if Ottawa's really making a push for the playoffs, they can even use that first round pick um, potentially as a as a trade chip to to bring in another impact player for a playoff run or something. Yeah, especially since uh, I think uh, it's weird. I feel like nobody seems to value uh, first round picks the same. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, but you don't know what you're going to get. They're not that good. And then some people are like, oh, uh, a top six player and a first can get me almost anyone in the league. Right. But, uh, yeah, you could, you could definitely get some good, like the, the senators and the red wings, at least right now, it doesn't look like, uh, they might, one of them might make the playoffs. I, they're in the same conference. So I doubt they'll both make it, but, uh, I don't don't think either of them are going to be too high up. So you could definitely package two, both of those, picks together uh for something huge uh at the draft next year yeah yeah i don't see it realistically given the the nature of the atlantic division like it's already like you've got to assume tampa bay and toronto are for sure locks um you know me personally if buffalo gets some good goaltending i would say buffalo's like i would almost kind of want to put them as a lock they, um, Florida. What did they, I'm did not they end sure. like third in scoring last year? Buffalo. Yeah, like, they were. They, were they, pretty high they put there. the puck in the back of the net. They, if they can shore up a bit defensively, they're going to be a wagon. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. I. Um. Just. Yeah. Like, and it really comes down to the goaltending for them. 
more than anything, I would say, uh, whether or not they can get that. If they can, I think they're very solid. And then, you know, you still have Boston and Florida kind of sniffing around there. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. You know, you know what they're named... going to kind of uh, happen with them just due to, you know, we don't know who's returning for Boston. So right now they're, um, their centers look kind of uh, just, just yeah, in a weird a spot. And then, you know, Florida... Um, but, you know, their defense is definitely hurting. It sounds like Ekblad and Montu are going to miss. Uh, a, a, we don't know for how long, but they are going to miss time to start the season. They lost Gudis, so their defense is, you know, not the greatest. Um, and then, yeah, even, you know, even Montreal, like, if, you know, they can fill out some holes on their roster and have some guys step up, they could even be a solid team. Like, that whole division is... Um, it, it yeah, could be a really dog fight. To do it so, yeah, really just for Ottawa and yeah. Detroit to both get in, I just, I can't see it happening because I feel like the yeah. Metro is going to like at least take one of the wild card spots, maybe both. So yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we named three teams we think could make the playoffs and we didn't even mention the 65 win Bruins that just happened. Or the the guys who made it to the Stanley Cup final this year in the Panthers before that. Yeah, like it's exactly. It, it's a it's a rough division. So those could definitely be two, uh, maybe not a super high percentage for like the first overall, but like they could definitely be uh, lower picks or possibly lottery picks. Yeah, and um, now looking at the other side of the trade, like. Uh, to bring it going to Detroit, um, and you know th this was not long after I kind of ripped into Yzerman and was just struggling to understand what he was doing um, with that team, just some of the moves he's made. But I mean, this this was this is like it fell right into their lap. You know, they just signed Larkin to that big extension to keep him around, and now you bring in a guy like Debrinket, who's a perfect guy to play on the wing with Larkin for the next however long and try and build around those two guys up front. Yeah, that's like if uh, he had a, a slight bit of a down year in his sophomore year there, but if Lucas Raymond can be the player that he looked like in his rookie year, like Dabrinkit, Larkin, and Raymond, that is not a bad first line at all. No, that that's not bad to work with. And then you still even have... Uh, cider on defense and then you've got uh edvinson coming up like you so you've got you're gonna have two really solid defensemen back there like they're, they're really starting to build that core now uh to kind of work with and and lead the charge for them for the next uh foreseeable future yeah like i'm just looking at their some of their lineups now like burger and comfort peron could be a pretty solid second line uh, they got Shane Goss to spare and Justin Hall on the second line there. Like it's not. Oh, that's no that that one's yeah, rough. Yeah, that one. That <laughs> one's rough. That's that's well, the most, issue. Is mostly because of defense. Justin Hall. You could. I don't. I don't yeah. know why it has Ben Sherrod on the third line. You definitely go Goss to spare and Sherrod, and then Hall and Matta on the third. But yeah, and even for their second line, I would still put Andrew Kopp up above Comp for. Unless they're planning yeah, to maybe move Cop to the wing or something, like he's, I think he's still got to be the second line center over, over Comfer, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think he might be sleeping a little on JT Comfer. I I think he's uh, Andrew Kopp just, is good though. It's I just don't they see signed him. two very solid guys to be your second center. Neither of them seem like a first center, and neither of them seem like a third center. I'm just I'm not. And again, you know, you know, it's kind of my thing of I just don't fully like Comfer's always just had good talent around him on Colorado. Like, and I think he's yeah. getting he, he's phenomenal. Like, I think he's a really good defensive player. But I just don't see him being that guy in your second line to put up, you know, 50, 55 points there and kind of lead a lead a second line i just don't see him as that type of guy i could be wrong you know if he gets that opportunity with detroit and runs with it like fair play to him but i just i don't fully see it out of him yeah you know what uh a lot of teams love that uh shut down center on the third line too so i could definitely see him him slipping to the third which i think is more solid for him because i just think andrew cops just he has more um in my opinion, he's just got more offensive, uh, you know, skill and upside. And I think he's a phenomenal leader. Like, I think you, you know, even if you do a, like Larkin, Debrinkit, and Perron, and then let Cop work with, you know, Raymond and uh, whoever on the the other wing there on the second line, like, I think that could be, that that could be a really good top six. I think it could work out well for them. Yeah, Definitely. Um, but yeah, so then the one thing kind of tailing off um, from Detroit is, so they recently, um, and this was a move where I was like, you know, it's tough for Detroit, but really there's, there was no other solution, really. They, so they uh, ended up terminating um, Philip Zadina's contract, and there was a mutual agreement as, you know, Zadina just, he kind of saw the writing on the wall and knew he wasn't going to, you know, just ever really get that opportunity to play and shine in the top six um, for Detroit. And he really wanted to go get more playing time somewhere. So he sacrificed uh, whatever was left of his contract. It was at least a couple million dollars uh, to go have a chance to play somewhere else and kind of, you know, establish himself as a full-time NHL player. Yeah. And, this was a phenomenal move by Big Money Mike over in San Jose. Um, they ended up signing Philip Zadina to a one-year, uh, $1 million contract. So kind of just a prove-it deal. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think it's, I just think it's awesome. Like, you know, and, and the biggest thing Zadina talked about was like, obviously, like, you know, he he wanted to go somewhere where he could, not even just to go and win a cup, but just to get an opportunity to play and get an opportunity to, you know, make a name for himself in the league. And for San Jose, it's a, you know, a great, it's a great move because it's one year. Um, he's a, you know, a former six overall pick. So, like, he's clearly got the skill. And so if he works out great in San Jose, awesome, because he's still an RFA, so they would control his rights. And you could give him a, a pretty good contract, and, you know, he could be a good force for them. Um, kind of coming out of the rebuild. And furthermore to what Zadina said, the the opportunity to play with, you know, a fellow Czech um, in Hurdle, it was something that he was really excited about to, um, to do. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, sometimes, especially those guys coming over from some of the uh, Eastern Europe and European countries, I think having a couple of their their countrymen on a team that they're going to is definitely a maybe not a deciding factor, but it definitely factors into the to the decision to go there. Like that's got to be that's got to be comforting knowing that a guy who had a similar maybe not a totally similar upbringing, but at least lived in your country, went there and he's been there for years and clearly likes it. So I definitely think that uh, is good. And I think it's a great signing for San Jose. Like, yeah, I think it's, I think it's low risk. It could pay off huge if it does. And I also just love the, love that move from Zadina. You know, you don't see a lot of guys betting on themselves at that level where it's like he hasn't made a ton of money in the NHL. Like he hasn't made like retire on this money yet, but he foregoes at least, I think it was at least $4 million. Yeah. And yeah, it was a he good said, amount. No, I'll, you keep that money. I'm going to go, I'm going to go play somewhere else and I'm going to go try and become the star. I know I can be like, yeah, just just the mentality of that alone is I so think like, you know to sign a player and give him that shot. Yeah, if that he's that hungry for it, like he's not going to be coming over and coasting. And you know, like yeah, he's going to come in and with a fire under him, and like he's going to he's you know like you've now you've already know that you've got a guy you're bringing in who's going to give like his hundred and ten percent every game. Yeah, because really for Zadina, it's you'd like you know if he has a horrible year with the Sharks, like if he plays, say, 60-plus games but doesn't really, you know, do so well, like he's obviously, you know, I, I assume at that point the Sharks would probably let him go. He's, and then, but, but then, you know, a team would maybe sign him, but he's not going to really... I just don't think he'll ever get a, a chance like he's going to be getting going into this season. Because now yeah, it's kind of like, like you said, it's, it's not yeah. very often you see a young player like this do this. So like a lot of eyes are going to be on him to, to see what he's capable of. And there's a lot of people that are, even Detroit fans are, are like, you know, it, it sucks to lose a guy like that. But we, I really hope he does well because like, I like him as a player and I want to see him succeed. So, you know, all the pressure's on him to, to go guns blazing this season and... Uh, again, yeah, just try to establish himself in the league. Yeah, I've I've seen nothing but uh, praise for him from Red Wings fans. You know, they want him to be something else. He just quite wasn't that in Detroit, and there it sounds like everyone's wishing him the best. And that's just good to see out of a guy who really wants to prove himself. Uh, where do you think in the lineup for San Jose he's going to play? Um. It's tough. So my immediate reaction would be, you know, going into training camp. I got to imagine that they put him on, try him out on a line with Hurdle. Like, I, I think it would just be absurd not to at least give that a go. You know, just because, again, that check connection is there, you know, see, see if it, see how it sparks works, something there. And in like training camp or preseason. Exactly, yeah. And so I think you're probably looking at something like um, 
you've got Hurdle with Zadina and then maybe um, Barabanov is kind of what I'm assuming we'll see. And then, you know, your other line would be Eklund, Couture, and um, whoever else they want to throw in there, whether it's LeBanc gets another try. I'd be shocked if he's on the team um, come training camp. Uh, or it's probably a guy like Anthony Duclair, who, you know, maybe is a guy, again, kind of like Sedina, you could keep him around long term after this season, or you can, you know, um, maybe, you know, include him in a trade or something to maybe get assets back. It's uh, unsure what that is, but I would be shocked if Sedina doesn't at least start in the top six. Yeah, I th- I think you you start where you want him to be, and if it works out, that's awesome. And if not, you know, maybe slip him on the third line, and you know, maybe give him some power play two time or something, and see what you can what you can make of that. Yeah, and my the biggest reason also I kind of think that um, that Zadina will start with Hurdle is it goes back to last season when the the Sharks traded. Um, Matt Nieto and Ryan Merkley to Colorado for Martin Kaut and Jacob McDonald. Again, Kaut, um, same draft year as Zadina. He was picked, I think, like 10 picks later in the first round. Um, Again, another Czech player who just was struggling in Colorado. He just, it wasn't clicking there. And then he just started, he wasn't getting the opportunity to the point where for multiple seasons in a row, he requested a trade. He wanted out of Colorado and he finally got it and got traded to San Jose. And playing on the line with Hurdle, like he was, he looked like a real NHL player. It was, he looked, he, he was making an impact on every game. You noticed him when he was out there. Um, and I still just, I, I'm, you know, maybe it was just because kind of end of the season. So they were bringing up some young guys, giving them a couple games in, in the NHL. And so Cow found himself now in the AHL. And no, no idea if this is true. This is just reports right now um, from both Cout and the Sharks kind of going back and forth. So at the end of the season, Cout actually decided to sign back in Czechia for two years to go play over there. Now the Sharks still own his rights in two years when he comes back. Um, but in a recent interview, Cout said when he was sent down to the AHL and started playing down there. One of the Barracuda's coaches would pick an opponent for him to fight before each game. And so Kaut was basically, you know, you're no longer a skilled um, player. You're, you're here to fight. And yeah, you're, you're he, a 90s style goon and enforcer. Yeah. And so Kaut said he received instruction that if he fought more often, he'd be in the NHL. So then Couch started to think, I have to go here and fight, otherwise I'm not going get, to get to go back up to the NHL. And, yeah. and, and which, which kind of sucks because um, Zadina and Couch played uh, two years together for um, Czechia in the World Juniors in both 2018 and 2019. And it would have been really cool, to, honestly, just to see a line with Kaut, Hurdle, and Zadina all together, and just yeah, see 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 what kind of you know what they can put together and whatnot. Um, so it kind of sucks seeing Kaut leave, but now Zadina's kind of coming in to replace him. 
it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously the, um, the Sharks say, you know, with what their coaching staff is doing in the AHL, that that didn't happen, you know, yada, yada, yada. Based on what I know of the Barracuda's coaching staff, I wouldn't be surprised if this is true. Yeah, um, that seems like a pretty scathing thing to just say for no reason. Like, like that, exactly, that's not... right. Like, you, know, you read that, you... <laughs> most people would pretty instantly believe it that that very much is a thing that happens in hockey and definitely sounds plausible and it's really too exactly, bad because right? you know he's also a guy who's had you know a couple concussions you know i think he had a shoulder surgery or two at one point like he's you know he at the at a certain point he's got to be like are they even gonna send me up to the NHL? Is this worth it? What's the point if I get up to the NHL, play 20 games on my, while still on my ELC, and then I can't play ever again because I've had so many concussions? Like Exactly, right? So I, I really do hope, you know, going to check it, maybe he only plays one year there and gets out of that second year, comes back over, um, or he plays the full two years over and comes back and actually signs with the Sharks. Because I'd really like yeah. to see him get another go. Because I think he's, I think he looked like a great player. He looked like he belonged. Um, it, it sucks that he's now gone, but like it, it is nice bringing in Zadina to kind of fill that spot that I, I think Cout would have had on the Sharks going into next season. Um, I would have had him pegged to, uh, to be in the starting lineup. I had he stayed yeah. over, so I think Zadina kind of fills that role. Um, and again, same situation, like a kind of a, a prove it, like, let's, let's go out there, give it our all and, and become a regular, um, in the lineup every night. Yeah. I, I hope that they, you know, don't just sweep it under the rug and they're like, oh no, it didn't happen. That's the end of it. I hope they check in, you know, the higher ups, you know, check whether or not there's legitimacy to it and. You know, if they get rid of, I'm not sure if, who, if they said who it was, if it was a certain guy or if it was just coaching staff. But uh, I hope uh, if if somebody is out there saying that, you know, you probably don't want that guy teaching all your young guys. You know, you don't want, uh, you know, if if Will Smith goes there for conditioning, you don't want you don't want uh, him thinking that's the kind of the kind of atmosphere and locker room you have, right? That's not, exactly, that's not a winning right? culture. So uh, you'd hope that they would get rid of any guys who are actually doing that. And, you know, that would certainly make Cout a lot more likely to come back as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, regardless of whether or not the Sharks believe it um, to be true or not, I think it's like as a team going through a rebuild where, you know, you're really not playing many veterans in the AHL. Like, you're rolling with your young guys. You're giving them ice time and opportunities. You need to have the right guys there teaching them. Yeah. Like, if it's a coach that, you know, I, I, I could see being very well-liked on a team that's a contender. Like, going for the cup, like, it's like, go out there. You've got your assignment. Give it your all. Do what you got to do. I think he, I think that's, you know, teams that are contenders would love a guy like that but for a rebuilding team it it just isn't it isn't what you want to have for for your young guys in in their development and their you know um their years coming up before they make it to the to the to the nhl yeah i think there's there's also a huge difference uh between you know 
being like, hey, Pat Maroon, let's, let's get the guys energized. Go pick a target and go fight. There's a lot big difference between that in the NHL and telling some 20, you know, 24 under kid, hey, you, uh, you got to go out there and you have to fight someone or you'll never play in the NHL. There, there's a huge difference yeah. in, in the power dynamic there. And especially when the Barracuda, both on forward and defense, um, each had a guy who would have no problem dropping the gloves every game if they had to. Like, they're, I wouldn't say necessarily they love to fight, but, like, it's part of their game. It's what they do, and it's just the type of hard, um, hard-nosed player that they are. So if, to pick a, you know, a young player who's got so much skill like Kout to do it, is it just makes no sense like it, it again like i i feel like it's true and but it just i'm trying to figure out why yeah because it just it's just I one believe, of those things that just doesn't make sense yeah because i'm pretty sure he gave one specific example of i i want to say they were playing uh does calgary have an ahl team would they be playing the wranglers yeah the wranglers yeah yeah, I think he said against the Wranglers that the uh, the coach picked some dude who was like six six and like two eighty pounds or something. Like he picked some huge dude, and like Martin Kaut isn't even huge, is he? Isn't he like six no. two? Like he like picked a guy way out of his weight class. Yeah, and like I don't know, a lot of a lot of those were rather specific details to be like. That's that would be a long draft up before releasing this if this was some elaborate lie. Exactly right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, good for him for standing up for that, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, he can mend that bridge with the sharks at some point. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't think it's a, you know, a, a bridge that's burned and and can never be repaired. I don't even think it's really that damaged. Um like it's it's easily a quick fix like if it's true coach is gone everything's good yeah. because if the sharks didn't know there's nothing they could do about it but now that it was yeah, brought if, to light if to you them, fire if the coach you show true. that you're backing the player yeah and exactly that's, and that's huge and i and i and i don't think Kout's a guy it's like you know oh i'm going back to check in i'm just gonna play there forever you know i yeah. think his plan is to go there get get a lot of ice time really work on his game come back and and be a force because by the time he comes back um like he's still gonna be a young player like he's not gonna be you know now in a spot where he's like he's gonna be 25 he's still gonna have a long career ahead of him so you know and i and the sharks would welcome welcome him back and give him a go uh when he comes back i think yeah that's uh hopefully he can fine-tune his game and come back better than ever and uh you know come back and prove to that coach that uh he doesn't need to fight every game to be a regular nhl player yeah and i, and I think when he comes back he's gonna you know assuming that coach isn't with the organization but he's still you know watch him he's gonna prove him wrong i think and i really hope he does um but moving on from that what do you what do you got next here for us what's uh our next point um, I don't have a ton to expand on this, uh, but, uh, this is one that we didn't have in the lineup before the show, but I, uh, just remembered that, uh, 
Nike uh, permanently ended their sponsorship of Hockey Canada in the wake of the sexual assault scandal. Yeah. Uh, so I believe they suspended their sponsorship of it uh, quite a few months ago now. Uh, and it sounds like no positive, not enough positive news has come out that they're uh, permanently ending that now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have, you know, it's like obviously, you know, a kind of a, a touchy subject. So, like, not diving in too much on the matter itself. But I mean, yeah, like Nike's got to do what they got to do. Hockey Canada's really hasn't. They I mean, I mean it sh- up as pretty bad. As, yeah, as shitty as it is like, to say, it, they just really haven't put their full attention to it and solving the matter. Like, it, it just, it doesn't seem like a priority of theirs. And no, it really feels like they said they're going to do this uh, investigation and they're just waiting as long as possible for enough people to forget about it. And then they can slowly, probably at like 4.30 on a Friday before the long weekend, just like real quickly when nobody's looking, release the investigation and it says, oh, we found nothing, that's it. Like, uh, yeah, know, we'll, I mean, we'll like see it's... what happens when they do eventually well, release the investigation but well and it was I'm, I'm trying to think of when it was it was somewhat recent but not too recent um that it that it sounds like they've kind of like gotten to the bottom of it it's it sounds like they kind of you know it, it, at least from what i saw they, they know who the players are but they're not going to release it yeah like it, it sounds like they they figured out who's done it but it's like we're not going to release their names and again and that leads to people speculating of like oh it's got to be you know player xx and x because they're all doing well in the league and they don't want to just ruin their careers like that um yeah and then there's other people being like well you like and just multiple things it's just it's such a messy situation it's one that's has to be taken seriously like it it needs to and it's just, it's not, and, and that's a big problem. And so, yeah, like Nike's got to do what they got to do. And, you know, walking away from such a big, big partner that they're with there, but it, it's not good for their brand to be associated with something that's not taking something so serious, very seriously. Yeah. And, you know, this, the, uh, them pulling out of this obviously hurts Hockey Canada a whole lot more than it hurts. Yeah nike like nike's gonna be just fine after this but that does hurt oh, the yeah. bottom line with hockey canada yeah and uh yeah like you said with uh, not releasing the players like you have to wonder if you know maybe they were like looking at the list of names and they're like get a couple down they're like okay maybe we can release this maybe it won't hurt the league and then maybe you know like we obviously have no idea whose name is on this so don't go running around saying it but you know what if Kale McCarr's name was on that list? Because he was on that team. And they're like, ooh, we want to build the league around him. We'll just yeah. cover everything up. Like, well, exactly, right? And that, that was a lot of I have no idea what kind of guy Kale McCarr is. He seems cool enough. I like to think he wasn't involved. But yeah. then again, I'd like to think something like this wouldn't have happened either. So, yeah, Exactly, right? And then it just... Yeah, and then you and you could even store an end to the issue where it's like, you know, it potentially like I'm not I'm not saying that 
this is true, but I'm saying it potentially could be because it, it's it's a realistic scenario that we've seen in the past where, say whatever, it's player X, X, and X. Now you run into the thing of, you know, was it a secret amongst them or did the entire team know? And then that's a whole nother door you're now opening of, okay, now it's the players who've done it, but it's also all of these, you know, bystanders and whatnot who've said before that they, they know nothing about this, they weren't involved, and now, and then that could even create a an, an whole separate scenario. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it could ripple, it could affect everyone who was on that team. Yeah, exactly, right? And again, like if it's, you know, all these marketable players for the league, you know, I, I mean, I love the sport of hockey. I hate the all the outside stuff that, that goes along with it. It's just, it's not a good look for the game. But yeah, it's just, just a mess. Yeah, I mean, like it's, and it's really too bad that it's, you know, such a, such a culture thing. I mean, hell, we played minor hockey. Luckily ours, what our, locker rooms weren't uh, too bad but you know my, i know my first year playing uh playing midget hockey you know those those third years they were there were some real bastards on that team like and it's just it's just a thing that often gets passed down and by the time the young kids get older they're like hey now i'm going to keep them down it's just yeah luckily luckily we were on a, a overwhelming amount you- of positive locker rooms but you know yeah. there's there's a lot of places that are not near as nice as ours, and it really sucks to see for the sport. Yeah. Can you call it midget hockey anymore? Can we do that? Or do we have to call it U18 now? Uh, I was only saying it because that's what that's what Well, exactly, was and, I and was that's in. always my that's, immediate that's reaction. The, that's like the it. thing I went into it with. But they did change the name of it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah it's, it's all now just U18, U... 16 you 14 whatever it's yeah are you 15 honestly i know a lot of people are like oh it's been this way forever dude that's so much better not only are you not risking offending anyone also i know exactly how old all the players are in those leagues yeah like me trying to think back like i have this memory of when i did something in hockey in adam or in peewee but then i'm like well how old was i was i 10 was i 14 like you know after a certain amount of time you start it it's harder to remember that so you know it's a it's a lot easier remembering it with the numbers so why not mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i i completely agree yeah it's just yeah again you know kind of like what you said it's just it's what we've always known so it's just kind of is what um we're, we're accustomed to saying or not but like I, th- I think we can still say it yeah as you know you you know when you're talking about uh the division specifically yeah. But uh anyway, yeah. uh you know what, do we while we're uh while we're in the uh not as happy mood, do we want to quickly talk about uh Galchenyuk? Yeah, I feel like we gotta. Well uh we'll squeeze that one in love there. Talking as well. about it, but yeah, we kinda gotta, I feel like we're yeah, already so on that for, wavelength. For those who don't know, I believe about two weeks ago. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk signed a, like a one-year deal with the Arizona Coyotes. And I believe it was 11 days after that. They just randomly bought him out. Uh, or, not, sorry, not his contract was terminated. terminated. Yeah. 
uh, on grounds of, I uh, don't forget the exact verbiage of some sort of uh, moral, moral debacle. Yeah. Or some, he got in prob- got trouble in with the trouble law with, and that yeah, was grounds for law. termination. Yeah. yeah. He fought the law and the law. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, he, it's not, yeah, it's, it's a uh, messy situation all around. Yeah. It, uh, sounds like he was drunk. He was in, uh, in his car. He hit a couple, sounds like he hit a, another car and a sign, like a stop sign or something. doesn't sound like there was too much damage, but then he, he, when a uh, police arrived on the scene, he was incredibly belligerent and very very threatening with them yeah yeah and, and again it's one of those things not gonna you know if and anyone listening there you know they're obviously a hockey fan they know what he did um what was said and whatnot so we're not gonna dive into that yeah it's um, not too hard to google it i mean not much else is gonna exactly. come up if you just google his name yeah oh, no highlights will come up i'll tell you that um again and now so yeah so like he gets terminated my immediate response was he'll never play in the nhl again like he never will we've already seen you know the stuff that happened with brendan leipzig um you know his 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 group chat messages getting leaked and whatnot and the things he said about his teammates and even his teammates you know significant others and whatnot um He'll he'll never play in the NHL again. He actually, fun fact, the other day, um, Leipzig sent a letter to Vladimir Putin about getting um, Russian citizenship over there. Um, but yeah. so my yeah, so my immediate reaction was the things Galchenyuk did. Well, not only did, but then what he said afterwards, like the things he said, I, I was like, he'll never play um, in the NHL again, and. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm now kind of maybe going back on that a bit, um, just based on today. Like it was, you know, his apology came out, um, and and you and I even kind of talked about beforehand. You know, it, it, did he write the apology? How kind of sincere is it? Type of thing. Yeah, you just um, never know with with any you know celebrity, any athlete. Whenever they announce an apology for this this kind of thing. Uh, you never know how you don't know how sincere it is until you see receipts until you see the six months after and the year after and then two years after you know do they just sweep it under the rug and move on or do they you know put in the time try and uh, try and kind of atone for what they did improve on themselves you know stuff like that so we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see if he if he can properly redeem himself you know I think yeah, I think he's got a a chance to redeem himself in the eyes of people, but I think people are pissed right now, and he's got a he's got a ways to go. Yeah, and I think again, you know, you never know what an apology is worth until you see uh, the results and actions that are put out afterwards. But I I think a big thing is realizing where he's at and that he needs to help and putting himself in the, uh, the player assistance program that the league offers. And I think yeah. that's like that, that's already a huge step forward for him to commit to this now, I- at least initially we'll see, you know, again, as it progresses, 
if he maintains it. Um, but I think to put himself in that position now of trying to better himself, realizing he needs help, wanting to do better, you know, I, I, I think any player who's willingly puts himself into this program and is committed to becoming better, I think deserves a second chance. Um, yeah. In most in most circumstances, you know, and I yeah, think this obviously is it one that was is, is really, and I think this one is really kind of at the top of like anything further. I don't think there's coming back. Um, and, and it sucks because like you know everyone's or anyone who has been drunk has probably said something stupid in the time. It's just unfortunate the things he said were very very serious. And yeah, like it, it comes, I've, it's I've not been something drunk plenty of times, but you uh, never come close the, to that. A lot of the things he said, you like that's or like that's not if you're a good guy and you're not troubled, exactly, you don't get exactly. drunk and all of a sudden throw that out there. Exactly, like, it's coming from an issue within him, yeah. And so, hopefully, doing this can help him figure that issue out more, uh, work through it, overcome it, and hopefully come out a better person on the other side of it. And I think if he can prove that and go through the program, excel in it, come out a better person, I could see him getting a second chance down the road. But I think this completely ends him ever being, you know, trying to get back to that third overall pick that he was when he was drafted in his first couple years in the league. He'll never get back to that. But he could still be an effective, yeah. you know, bottom six guy um, on the right team should he get another chance because there's no guarantees. Yeah, and I I just want to throw out there that I love that players are actually using the player assistance program. I don't know how long it's been in the league, but up until three years ago-ish, I feel like I never heard of anyone using it. But, like, we've had Jonathan Drouin, Robin Leonard, Carey Price, like, uh, quite a few players. Jacob, uh, Jacob Vrana, Spencer Knight yeah. even. Yeah, like, plenty of players are you know, they've kind of broke the stigma of it, you know, only being for the worst of the worst players that have like really bad problems. You know, these guys are just checking themselves in because they realize, you know what, it's important that I get this help. And it's really cool to see this awesome resource the NHL has put together being used. And yeah, and not even only that, but it, it really honestly, in my opinion, really helps these players coming out of it become huge role models for kids uh, yeah like to to see an athlete and someone you look up to and admire you know come out and be like i need help i'm asking for help i'm reaching out for help it can really inspire these kids who may be struggling with whatever maybe again struggling with a bad coach or something in hockey like it can just it can it teaches kids that it's okay to reach out for help regardless of of who you are or anything like it, it, it just yeah like it's even Bobby Ryan, I don't even think we mentioned him. Yeah, I mean, he was like, he was a was, huge. He one. was a while ago. He was probably one of the first ones. He was, yeah, that was I think he might have been the huge. first. I don't want to say that for sure, but I think he might have been the first. That probably the first one I had heard of, I believe. Yeah. And happened. then that first game back, Hattrick, uh, that was even, that was nuts. Right out of a storybook. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, we'll kind of cover it, the situation very briefly, because, you know, obviously nothing major is going to come out in, in the next, you know, foreseeable future. Um, but it's something I think we'll keep a close eye on and uh, 
see what results in the end of it kind of when it's yeah try and keep updates whenever they come out yeah. the few and far in between that we'll get yeah exactly all right um, um next up we got uh mika kippersoft mika kippersoft yeah. sorry is getting his number retired by the flames and it's it's San Jose sharks legend mika kippersoft <laughs> i might add uh what number is that that they're retiring? He was 34, correct? 34, yeah. 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 Living around Calgary, you know, growing up. Well-deserved. You know, absolutely. The most common jersey, obviously, was Juro McGinley to see. Mika Kippersoff was right behind him, though. Those two were head and shoulders. You saw more jerseys of those yeah. two than anyone else and, in and Calgary. It's very, and again, though, it's something very rare to like like people like most of the time you see you know when guy when people buy jerseys and whatnot and get names on them it's usually like that that first line center that elite goal scoring winger sometimes that stud defenseman like it's not very often you see people get goalie jerseys and the amount of flames jerseys you see today like like years later that are still kippersoft jerseys just really shows it, it just speaks volumes to how impactful he was and what he meant to that, not only the Flames franchise, but just the city of Calgary as a whole. Um, and and it, it's just so well-deserved. I couldn't be happier for him. Um, and I think it's a great, great move by the Flames to do it. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there's uh, not much more to say. You know, he, he more than earned it while he was here in Calgary. And, uh, That'll that'll be a really cool game to go to. If yeah. uh, going to the the jersey raising ceremony. Yeah, and you know what? Even something I just kind of thought of because I was reading something on it earlier. While we're on the topic of the Flames, so Craig Conroy has already established that. Sorry, just just this just clicked into my head because we're talking about like you know again, Lud. Yeah. Kippersoff kind of being that core, those leaders and whatnot. And so Craig Conroy has already said that the Flames are, are, going, are going to name a captain for next season. Like it's going to oh, happen. Really? In your opinion, who do you think, in, in the current state of the team right now, who do you think they pick? Or who would you pick if you had the opportunity? Oh, you know what? They got so many important pieces that... You know, there's all the rumors if they want out and stuff, which is tough because my gut reaction would be uh, a bridge captain for Michael Backlund for a few years. And then when he retires or leaves, you'd move it to kind of the future of the team. But uh, I don't know if he's going to return, you know. I, I think that you could go, you could go defense. I think... I think Rasmus Anderson might be a really interesting choice. Yeah. I think uh, even Hannafin definitely could. If, if, again, if he sticks around. Yeah. Again, if he sticks around. And, but uh, yeah. So I know a so lot of Anderson Flames fans absolutely be your love Anderson. Oh, I, I think so. Becoming a fan favorite real quick. Um, that's not a bad pick, honestly. Yeah, because I, I just, I'm thinking about, and like, you know, if it's not Backland, a, a lot of people's immediate response is Chris Tanev. 
And in my mm-hmm. opinion, I think I think he'd be a serviceable captain. But again, you're you're kind of just in a situation like you were with Giordano. You know, kind of near the tail end of his career. Not necessarily, I guess, for Giordano, but you know, just kind of they're it's just not a guy you can name Captain and be like, he's gonna be the guy we run with. Um you know, he's not for gonna the be a long term captain. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of covering it up for a couple years until something else arises. And I don't think that's a direction the Flames want to go in. So I, I just, I don't see Tanev. I think he's a great assistant captain uh, or alternate, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just, yeah, I don't see him being, being the pick. I think the absolute worst, the worst player you could possibly pick would be Huberto. Yeah. Yeah, like, I completely it, it agree. Makes, I, I, he's done no sense to pick him whatsoever. Great yeah, player, think, love the guy, but just horrible. It would be awful. Just based on this past year and going into the future, it just makes no sense. I think, I think one of the things is that he, you know, he seems like a good guy. You throw it, you can throw an A on him sometimes, but uh, I think, uh, you know, obviously I don't know any of the flames personally. But uh, he doesn't seem like the guy to, to stand up and rally the troops for the team, you know? Like, it's... Uh, I think... I really think Backlund would be great as a bridge yeah. captain if he does stick around. Like, he... Did he not just win the... Uh, what, did, what was it? Is it the I King Clancy? I just, the, I just call it the Good Guy Award. I can't remember yeah. what it's called. Yeah, I was he just won the, the good, good Guy, guy Award for doing charity stuff in Calgary. Like... Dude, yeah. that, that's who you want to go to bat for. That's who you, your guys are willing to run through a wall for. Yeah, I, I think he'd be a great pick. It just, it really seems like he's not going to be returning. I think another very solid option is if they can convince Elias Lindholm to stick around. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's like, hey, we're offering you a deal here. We're also offering you the C and to be our captain for, you yeah. know, th- this seven eight, or eight year eight deal that you signed. And be the captain would be yeah. a that would be such think, a good think, day to be a flames fan like, yeah i would love to see that happening i i really hope it happens i'm i'm kind of torn if it will or not um but i think yeah if you're a flames fan that would be a phenomenal day yeah i think i think probably one of the defensemen will get it uh if no hard decisions are made over the summer but I think, I think they're keeping that captaincy open right now to use as a bit of a bargaining chip with guys like Lindholm, where it's like, you know, if you stick around, this is also something we can give you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's trying to exactly keep these guys the thing around. They, they offered to Kachuk. They offered him an eight-year deal with the C, and he was like, nah. He's like, nah, fam, I want out. Yeah. He, he wanted that offer, too. He wanted it earlier, and they said no uh, bridge deal. Yeah. And... He didn't want it later. He wanted it back then. And they would have yeah. got him at a discount to what he's making now for sure. Like, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. Brutal. He would, he would, brutal he would, to he would, not just lock him up. Lock up your he'd players. Be on one of the best if you're a Canadian team. Well, look at um, New Jersey. You know, they, people thought it was a horrible signing at the time when coming right out of his, his ELC when he really wasn't that first line star center. They locked Jack Hughes in for eight years at $8 million. And people were like, that's a huge overpay. And now all of a sudden 
couple years later looks like one of the best contracts in the league if not the best yeah, yeah it's easily top three in my opinion like it's he, I could not believe at the time people were saying that was an overpay because like even when it was signed I was like dude like he wasn't per performing at that level yet but he clearly was going to be a star yeah. like he just you, are, you could everything see about watching him play or... you could tell he was going to be that guy like yeah, yeah and flames could have done that with Kachuk and they decide to do a different approach and didn't didn't pan out too well yeah in they figured, oh, well, in two or three years, you know, well, uh, Goudreau will come off the books, Kachuk will come off the books, and we'll re-sign them both for another eight. And, uh, well, that's not, uh, that's not how it went. Yeah, no. So, but that's a, it's a yes. And, yeah, I don't really got um, much more to say on that. Uh, I think we had some kind of little little trivia games and whatnot we were, we were planning on rounding it out here with, right? Uh, yeah, before that, do you want to, did you want to tell uh, the Stampede story? Because I know you heard it from the source and I just heard it from you. It's yeah. It's just a neat little, uh, neat little yeah. anecdote here. And, you know, just, just for the sake of it, not going to say who it was or anything, um, you know, and whatnot. But, it was, yeah, it was a funny story. So um, someone we know was at the 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 stampede and um I, I can't remember what what tent or or whatever they were trying to get into um but they were they were in line waiting to go and they were just like oh i just I, I gotta go to the bathroom real quick and so they decide to um it, 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 like to figure out where to go so they you know they're like oh i'll be right back they go out and they see all these security guys standing together and they were like, oh, perfect. They'll, they'll be able to help me out. So they go over there and, you know, all these security guys are rallied up and there's people all over the place and they just kind of push through. They walk up to this guy and they're like, hey, where's, where's the bathroom? And he's like, uh, yeah, it's just right over here. Little did they know, um, all those people they were walking through and all the security guys were all crowded around pk suban who was there um having a good time at the stampede and so rather than asking any of the actual security guys or anything they go up to pk suban who they they didn't even recognize and was just like hey man like where's where's the bathroom here and like i, I don't even know if he knew very well because how how would he really know um yeah, but he yeah was, when i heard he that, was just like filling in as a as like a security guard for a little portion of the day there just kind of like doing a doing a little bit of a media thing you know taking pictures being a security guard for the day having, having a good time at the peed nothing wrong with that yeah and so they they just like didn't know until they got back to line and like all yeah, and they were like, were like you were just talking to fucking pk suban yeah and you just all these people want autographs and whatnot and you just charge right through and just like hey man where, <laughs> where's the john hey, at yeah where's the pisser man i gotta use it yeah yeah i thought that was a really funny story uh, yeah when i heard that one that was awesome i remember seeing online that pk suban was at the stampede and i remember coming to you and being like dude suban was at the stampede that would have been so sick to see him and you're like i got a story for you yeah i'm like oh i got a story for you 
um yeah i thought that was a really funny story and that's one yeah, we're gonna be, was, we're gonna be laughing about for for quite a quite a while um yeah so th this was a, a fun little trivia thing i wanted to throw at you here um and i'll let you decide how many of these you want to do um all right just for just for the sake of time and whatnot um so i have a list of NHL players who recorded the most total points each decade, all the way from the 1950s up until the 2020s and present. Okay. Um, so I want to see how many of these you think you can get for uh, across these eight decades. So like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s, 2010s, and then 2020s. Uh, I'm curious to see how many I can, and I'll give you the the amount of points as well. Like I don't know if that'll help much, but okay. Um, and I'll let you decide like how many of these you want to do. So if you don't want to do, you know, the fifties and sixties and on, I can just give you those ones. But it's up uh, to you. No, I'm good. I'm good to do all of them. We'll start old and go to new. Um, all right. We should probably probably put a cap on my guesses. You know, I don't want to sit here and guess forever at at all the players until eventually i get it right maybe i'll go yeah maybe i'll, I'll get three, three guesses. guesses yeah three for yeah. each one cap so starting with the 1950s across that decade this player recorded 807 points honestly that's more than i thought it would be for back then <clears throat> um i've got a i've got a couple names coming up but uh first one i'm gonna go with is gordy howe yeah you've been yeah you got it right away there you go. There we go. One for one. So the 1960s, this player recorded 784 points. Slightly less. I mean, he I was around for a long time. I don't think you'll get this one. No? Well, this uh, is, this is on one that, of three that I don't assume think it's you're going to get. Gordy Howe. I assume it's not him. Um, the 70s. When did he start playing? Oh, call me no, crazy. Is, no, I'm gonna go. This is the I'm 60s. Go, oh, we're going 60s. I I'm skipping ahead. I have I have a name that's like on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. It like starts with a B or something. Uh, I'm you know what? I'm just gonna lock in a lock in a Henry Richard. <laughs> it is not no. No, Oof. but not not Richard. Yep, um, you got two more here, though. I got two more. Oh, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know a lot of players from back then. I, I think I'm thinking. going. I knew a bit these too, ones were going to be kind of tough. I think I'm going a bit late with this guess, but I'm going to go Ted Lindsay. No, no, definitely not Ted Lindsay. <laughs> Am I even close with his generation? When did he play? Um, Do you know? I'll quickly look up here because honestly, I some of these guys, the I just, I, least, I can't but... remember sometimes. Have you even believe... like heard of this name before? Oh yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Lin Lindsay, I think was like mid forties to kind of mid sixties. I think I get a decent, decent tenure, but no, it, it, it's not, uh, not Ted Lindsay. Uh, I'm going to go with, Bobby Hull. It is not. 
is and it, this yeah. one I didn't expect you to get just because I'm kind of surprised. Um, I, I feel like it's somebody whose first name starts with a B, but like I I no. can't think of like any names with that. Yeah, no, that no. You ready All for right. it? Yeah. Stan Makita. Makita. Oh. I, I, For my I, last I guess, I even, that be a I even thought of a Black Hawk, and I picked. I didn't even pick the best one from that decade. Yeah. Um, uh, you know that that makes a lot of sense, but I don't. I don't think I would have got that with a, even a few more guesses. Yeah, I, yeah, that one was just a very, very uh, tricky one. Yeah, I got. Um, I got a guess locked and loaded for seventies, though. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah. But, so. This, uh, the 70s, 1,100 points. Oh, that's a lot of points. And I'll tell you, the second most um, from a player in a decade. Really? That's the second yeah. most across any decade? I yeah. didn't think, wow, you'd definitely think that it would be like the 80s or maybe the 90s, but I guess the first probably is the 80s. <laughs> um, and this one will probably, I will, I assume, um, will be, will be broken by the end of this decade. I am. I'm going to go with Gilafleur. It is not. It is not. It's not Gilafleur. No. One thousand one hundred points. Right on the dot. Bo Bobby Orr did not. Did he get up to that many? He was, oh, he was a well over a point per game. He didn't play he very had, long, though. He didn't. But he played like seven to 800 games. Could he have got that high up? I would tell you he didn't even make it to 700 games. He didn't even make 700. Jeez. That's, that's rough, man. Yeah. Greatest defenseman of all time, though. Hey, there's some there's but something to be said for longevity, though. You know, a guy like Ray Bork. Yeah, but we're not here to yeah, debate. That is true. You know, maybe a Nicholas Lidstrom. Uh, I'm gonna go Phil Esposito. Ha ha! Bingo! Nailed it. Yes. I I, like I kind of thought I had it locked with with uh, Lafleur. I was kind of uh, shocked it wasn't him. I thought you were going to get him right away. I thought that was going to be your guess locked and loaded. All right. The 1980s. You ready for Wayne it? Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. With 1,864 points. That one will never be broken. Not even close. No does he, chance. Does any other player even have that many points in their entire career? If they do, it's like three players or two players. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't, I can't think on like, the top of my head. Yager and Messier might be up there, but like, and that's their entire careers of a guy who's still yeah. playing when he's like 55. Yeah. Gretzky did that in one decade. And when did he start playing? Didn't he start in 81? Like he didn't even have the 80, 81 season. Yeah, I can't remember what year he... He started in the league. Didn't win the Calder Trophy, though, I'll tell you that. Uh, what um, a bust. So the 1990s, with 940 points. 
940 points. The last one was 1800 something. This one's 900 something. That puts you about 2700, which is around what Gretzky had. So I'm going to go Gretzky. Yeah, it is Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah. How close was Lemieux for that decade? Do, do, do you have the stats there or just like no, a list I, of the top one? Yeah, I just got the list here. Okay. He was probably he was probably close though. I mean he missed he did miss quite a few years. Or at least yeah. he missed some games. But uh Yeah, it, it just had to be the great one. Like as long as he was around, it really wasn't uh I don't think there was much competition to to dethrone yeah. him. Now this this is the other one I think might stump you a bit is the two thousands. Two thousands. With eight hundred and seventeen points. Eight seventeen. Okay, so it can't be Ovechkin or Crosby. Because they I mean no, there's no way. Like he two thousand five, he was halfway through the decade. I'm gonna. I got. I got a guess. I don't know if this is it. I think my second guess is gonna be better. But okay. I'm gonna go first with Marty St. Louis. It is not Marty St. Louis. Okay. It All right. I, I think. I, I think this guess, one's a really. This next one's a. I think a much better guess because I know he was started playing more at the beginning of the decade because I don't know when St. Louis fully entered his prime. But I'm gonna go with Jerome Ginla. It is not Jerome Ginla. It is, it is not. You got one more guess here. Think big. Oh, man. Oh, I just had... Oh, I'm so pissed. I, like, oh, I had a name ready, and I like completely lost it. I was like trying That's to think so if there was a better guess, and then I come. Oh man, it's totally gonna be the answer too. You know what team that player was on? Oh, uh, it. Oh, you got it. I, is it Jumbo Joe Thornton? It, in fact, is Joe Thornton actually with eight hundred and seventeen points. I, I almost I like I was thinking of him and then all of a sudden I lost it and uh, your big thing I was like okay yeah. well it's not fucking Chara and then I was like oh it's Joe Thornton and then I <laughs> the jumbo I was like oh it's definitely it yeah yeah which uh, I mean, that one was the one that I think surprised people the most but like in his heyday like as a pure uh, just playmaker. Like, and especially he was always on a good team. Like, he was, yeah, just. Yeah. He, 125 he a, points in a season, like, <laughs> coming out of the dead buck era. That's pretty freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. Good guess there. So the 2010s with 802 points. So 15 less than Joe Thornton had the, the decade prior. Two less. Uh, he's he's the best player of the decade. I gotta go with the guest first, Sidney Crosby. It is not Sid the Kid. <sighs> he missed too many games. He missed yep. too many games. 
He did. He did. He uh, McDavid, did. the same, same thing with last decade with, with Crosby. McDavid came in too late. He came in halfway through. Yeah. I feel like you're going to get this he, one. I'm trying to think if this guy had any major injuries. Was he elite for that long? Elite for that long? You're probably not on the right track then. Well, I just, I, I know he was like always good, but he became like really good at a certain point. I'm going to go Patrick Kane. It is Patrick Kane. You are correct. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. You know, I mean, in my opinion, kind of that whole decade was really like, I mean, I want it kind of a Crosby Kane type thing. Like, it's, you know, people may not agree yeah. with that, but like, in my opinion, it was, you know, just, you know, if it wasn't Crosby being in highlights, it was usually Kane and whatnot. So, yeah, um, which is funny because, you know, back then during that time, the conversation was always, or at least for a couple of years was, is Taves better than Crosby? Yeah. So can't believe people ever thought that. That's yeah, wild. I mean, he was really good in his prime, and that was also during the time where Crosby was missing games like crazy with injuries. But yeah, I mean, if you've seen Crosby in his prime play, or I mean, I mean, when was he at his worst in his career? Like, yeah, exactly right. He's like, he's on another level. Yeah, this one might might trick you. Actually, I'm I'm curious if you'll get this one. The 2020s with 414 points. Okay, 414. That's a lot of points already. This um, one might well, stump I'm gonna you. Go with Mc... Well, I'm first going to go with McDavid. Yeah, it's McDavid. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, like, there was no one else that could have been. You, you had me thinking that he like, missed a season in there for a second, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to waste a guess on it anyway. Cause... I was like, it, it's so easy. I tried to do whatever I could to stump yeah. you there. Yeah. If it wasn't McDavid, it was Dreisaitl. Like... I thought you were maybe going to throw, throw Kucherov's name in there. Well, no, because he missed, he missed the... Oh, shit, the that's right. Year. Yeah, he missed an entire season. Yeah. yeah. He crossed my mind, but he missed, yeah, he missed the, totally, the yeah. whole year. And that, uh, I totally forgot that because Tampa it. Bay was, was still so dominant without him. Yeah. All right. Well, you, actually, you did pretty good on that. Like you, all, all except one. Yeah, which one did I miss? The 60s? Yeah. Makita? Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty good. But, that, like that, that. but that, that one, in my opinion, was, was the toughest one. So. Yeah, probably. I mean, Gordy Howe, you know, Gretzky, those are all pretty easy. Maybe for a, you know, somebody who doesn't uh, pay too close attention, I could definitely see uh, Joe Thornton tripping up some people. Yeah, yeah, that it was kind of that one and Joe Thornton I thought were kind of the two the two toughest ones. Yeah. That uh that's good okay, though. Way to go. I like Round that. of applause. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. All right. All right. What are we what are we rolling with here? Uh we've been going pretty long. Do we wanna do we wanna end it there with that trivia? Yeah, I'm good to uh good to wrap that up there. Yeah, we got some we got some other fun stuff, but we can save that for the next one. 
Yeah, it works for me. I'm always, I'll always be locked and loaded, ready to go with, uh, with whatever fun stuff we wanna, wanna do. Hell yeah! And you know I'm ready to tease the audience oh, with a little yeah. more trivia. I mean, we did it before for agency, like with part two. We'll, we'll let this one roll out for, for a couple days here. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, anything you want to want to say before we hop off here? Uh, be nice to the police because uh, otherwise you'll lose your job. Yeah. Well, if you want to. <laughs> words uh, to not, live yeah, by. I'm not going right? to I'm not going to dive down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. Uh thanks to everyone for listening and we will uh catch you in the next one.